Hi, this is Chris Campbell, and welcome to the Food Institute Podcast. This week, we will be taking a deeper dive into the world of ghost kitchens with the help of Atul Sood, Chief Business Officer at Kitchen United, and Hossein Kazmai, CEO of Combo Kitchen. But first, whether you are new to the program or becoming something of a regular, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. It really helps us out when you do so, and we appreciate it a lot. I should also note that we are now available on Spotify and Apple, so if those are your platforms of choice, we ask that you subscribe there and share those too. With that said, let's take a deeper dive into the world of ghost kitchens. In 2019, Reforming Retail argued ghost kitchens could displace 50% of restaurant volume. Additionally, Euromonitor recently estimated it could become a trillion-dollar industry by 2030. But it begs the question, what exactly is a ghost kitchen? Meet Atul Sood, Chief Business Officer at Kitchen United. I'll allow him to introduce himself. I entered the food space uh, about six years ago after a career in finance and technology. And uh, six years ago, I got the opportunity to join McDonald's in a role where I was leading food delivery partnerships globally for the company. And uh, so I really got to cut my teeth in food delivery uh, working with the largest restaurant company in the country. And at the same time, got to see what was happening globally on the food delivery front and really recognized that when you look at countries like the United Arab Emirates and Dubai or Singapore or Korea, McDonald's had north of 30 to 40% of their food being consumed, uh, not through the drive-through, but through delivery. And that gave me the sense of what was happening from the consumer expectation standpoint globally and the wave that was coming here. And uh, I recognized some of the infrastructure needed to be built to help support that food delivery wave. So I was the first employee at Kitchen United. This was three years ago, almost to the date. And uh, it's been quite a ride since then. As uh, hopefully some listeners will know, uh, Kitchen United is one of the leading ghost kitchen providers in the country. Uh, What we do is we operate the infrastructure for restaurants to serve off-premise diners through catering, takeout, and delivery. And uh, we have facilities in four cities today, Chicago, LA, Austin, and Phoenix, Arizona. Considering Atoll's background, I figured he was the perfect person to ask what a ghost kitchen is. When I gave him that question, he replied that there were three distinct models that ghost kitchens operate under. What a ghost kitchen is to me is any facility where food is being produced and there is there are multiple ways to consume that food primarily for takeout and delivery um, and uh, there's limited or no dining in the facility there are the three different models that i think have emerged and will be refined over the next few years so number one um, a model where restaurants can use their own kitchen to produce food that is not directly associated with the brand that they have today. So think of a pizza concept doing chicken wings or a pasta concept doing sandwiches out of the same line with the with the same cooks and largely the same ingredients. I think the most notable of those is what Chili's has announced under um, their It's Just Wings brand, which is a wings brand available for delivery only Uh, through DoorDash. Uh, That is cross-utilizing existing space for a new brand. And um, there are others in the market like WowBow uh, that are helping restaurants do that as well. Uh, NextBite, which is an order mark company, is helping bring virtual brands to the mom and pop restaurants as well. So that this is not just a, um, 
a phenomenon that is happening with the bigger brands like Brinker. So that's number one. Number two, uh, ghost, there are ghost kitchen models that have emerged where you license your brand to the ghost kitchen operator. And generally speaking, that brand will be operating out of industrial warehouse type facilities or parking lots on the outskirts of town. Uh, in this model, generally speaking, the brand is uh, entirely outsourced. All the cooking, all the marketing, all the operations are done by the ghost kitchen providing host. And it's kind of an arm's length away from uh, from operating the kitchen on your own. The third model, which is the one that we're pursuing, is one where uh, ghost kitchens operate in uh, primarily dense urban market areas, uh, not main on main, but a mile and a half, two miles away from Maine on Maine uh, within delivery radius of that, where uh, the brands actually operate their own four-wall restaurant line um, with their own cooks and uh, operating staff. Uh, the ghost kitchen provider, or we prefer to call it sometimes the kitchen center provider, um, like us, operates with other back-of-house uh, personnel, whether those be people to do food receiving in the morning when the trucks come in to drop off the food, uh, whether that be running the food from the kitchen to the front of house or even manning the front of house. And that's the that's the difference in our model as well, where we have a front of house pickup center, which enables the end consumer to come and order at the point of sale or order in advance to pick up food themselves. So it's not just serving a delivery driver, it's also serving the end consumer. Um, those are the three overarching models that I see emerging, but this is such a early stage still in the space, even though we've been in it for three years, that hybrid models will emerge as well, I'm sure. Armed with a better understanding of what ghost kitchens were and how the three different models operated, I started to wonder, how popular are these concepts? Specifically, I was wondering about demographic shifts since the start of the pandemic. Atul noted that although Gen Z and Millennials remain core users of their program, a surprising demographic was starting to take the lead in sales. Gen Z and Millennial users are still very active, um, and I think, uh, I think their habits have been formed already. What's happened is my generation, Generation Xers, have uh, rapidly formed habits associated with eating in as well. And uh, we're seeing that there has been significant pickup and the most active people in our platform are actually Gen Xers now. Hossein Kazmai, CEO of Combo Kitchen, reported similar results. But first, I'll allow him to introduce himself again in his own words. I am actually... Um an engineer by uh, degree, but and I uh, worked for Motorola for several years, and I uh, led a big uh, group of engineers in developing, back in the day, pagers, and then later on, cell phones. I uh, started a company called Franchise Creator, where uh, we uh, helped other companies turn their business into a franchise, and then help them grow as a franchise, uh, both nationwide and internationally. Uh, to this day, we have franchised close to 500 different businesses and seen them grow to become multinational uh, businesses. Combo Kitchen is uh, the latest um, system that we actually internally put together. It's a business that kind of answers the needs um, um, for today's uh, issues that restaurant owners are seeing. We put this business together to help restaurants and um, 
kind of bring a new uh, system for a very, very, very old uh, industry. The restaurant industry has been around forever, and the system has never changed. And um, the changes that we're seeing in the market, whether it's because of the millennials or the COVID, is now putting a serious, serious um, pressure on this industry. And we feel that Combo Kitchen is going to overcome that and give a leading edge uh, to these restaurant owners. When asked a similar question about demographic shifts encountered since the pandemic, Hussein gave a similar answer. What the pandemic did is it really accentuated this revolution. Why? Because the grandparents and the parents of these millennials, by force, tried this service, and now they liked it. They actually love it. Curbside pickup, delivery to your house. These are attributes of the pandemic that would forever stay in our culture. It's just not going to go away because it's something we would have otherwise never tried, but they did try it and they liked it. So for that reason, this is going to stay and it's going to it's going to increase year after year. Combo Kitchen essentially operates in the second silo that it's all detailed. I asked Hossein to give a brief overview of what the process is like for a partner restaurant and a partner brand when they enter the Combo Kitchen ecosystem. If you look at two years ago, most restaurants had no more than 20% of their sales being generated from delivery. Uh, last year got to probably 40%. And this year, because of COVID, some restaurants are reporting north of 70% of their sales are now generated from delivery. So what happens is restaurants are very, very low net margin businesses, right? So we're giving these restaurant owners an opportunity to partner up with a known brand in their city or even nationwide, a brand that everyone recognizes and cook and get trained by this brand to prepare their menu items within their kitchen for takeout and delivery only. When it comes to ghost kitchens, I believe a common concern regards quality assurance, brand control, and food safety. I asked Hussein to give an overview of how Combo Kitchen handles these issues. We allow each one of our brands that are within our network to have a full access to each location their brand is being represented. And they have the chance to go there. First of all, they go there and they train these individuals at that particular location. And uh, so they get to interact with the people that are going to be preparing their food. And they get to test the food. They get to... Um, you know, randomly do a quality control and make sure that everything is going well. No different than if this was one of their own franchise location. One of the things that I always tell people is, look, you know, one of the things that is obvious and it's been proven is that franchising maintains brand uh, quality. I mean, you probably can walk into a random sub shop and you'll notice that they have an out of order sign on their Coke machine or the, 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 the guy making your sandwich tells you, I'm sorry, today we're out of ham. Those type of things are fully expected in a mom and pop type of a sandwich shop, but you'll never get that in a brand like McDonald's or Subway. Have, has anyone ever walked, to and walked into a McDonald's where they told them, sorry, today we're out of French fries, or sorry, we're out of uh, Big Mac today? It just never happens because it's run uh, like a machine. It's a system that's put in place to, to, to overcome all of these issues. And, um, and the same thing here. These are franchises. Every single location that um, 
uh, partners uh, with Combo Kitchen in reference to taking a brand or two and placing them in their kitchen, they're buying a franchise from us. So it's the regular franchise um, relationship whereby they are responsible for keeping the quality of the brands that are being presented in their location, in their kitchen, and they're being tested for it. And they have a chance of losing that brand if that brand is being misrepresented. Atoll also provided insight into Kitchen United's processes to provide peace of mind to operators. You know, there are a couple of ways, and it depends upon the model that uh, is being followed. I alluded to three different models earlier. Um, I'll start with the third um, which is our model. At Kitchen United, we provide very transparent access into what is happening in the kitchen itself. So number one, uh, the cooks in multiple ghost kitchen platforms are cooks employed by the restaurant. So they're trained staff that uh, you personally select as a restaurant operator uh, as to who will go into the ghost kitchen facility. And picking the right staff that is trustworthy may be staff that has experience in the geography um, is number one uh, in terms of picking your line cooks. Number two is we provide a lot of access into what is happening in the kitchen itself at any point through the usage of video cameras that can be used to see uh, what's happening on the line. We provide data about how long the wait time is between the order coming in and the cook firing the order, provide data on how long the hold time is for that um, for that meal as well. And, um, and then provide very transparent data on the feedback that we get from consumers about what the quality of the food was. So maintaining those brand standards and that brand integrity is something that we feel is critically important to success in a ghost kitchen environment, particularly because uh, the consumer cannot um, sit there and dine in. Uh, we want the food quality to be the same every time. So we don't touch the food, but we provide uh, overall uh, access into the kitchen as it's necessary um, for the uh, for the restaurant operator. So that's number one. Number two, in models where um, you're licensing the brand and um, and somebody else is preparing the food, it is a little trickier. Uh, it is important to ask for uh, regular updates on um, on any direct feedback that is coming into that restaurant. And it's important to monitor all of the social media sites where people are submitting reports and reviews. And that's really the cleanest way to get some of that data in, in that second model. Um, in the first one that I talked about, the one where you're operating a line with virtual brands on it, it's critically important to really... Uh, have the packaging right um, and the sense right off what the consumer feels about the about the about the end food product because if it's something that's outside of your wheelhouse, this is still not just popping a different logo on a bag and a different um, website up with different branding. It's about making sure the food quality is good and will hold. And I would say that that's important across the board to maintain. Um, brand control, you need to use the same packaging, the same uh, ingredient set, the same uh, cooking preparation methods that you're using in your existing restaurant, and then you'll have some brand quality control. I asked Atoll whether the ghost kitchen model was a threat to the traditional restaurant industry and whether it would have other impacts on the food industry as a whole. You know, I think one uh, one point I'd like to clarify is I think that um, ghost kitchens overall are 
um, are supportive of the restaurant industry in that we help the restaurant industry scale uh, in ways that they might not have been able to scale before in a capex light way. So overall, it's uh, it's a solution that I think is helping lift restaurant industry sales um, across the board. As it comes to grocery, I think what we're seeing is, uh, and we've been seeing this for a while, millennials and Gen Zs, the same people that you intuitively um, understood to be big consumers from our model of the ghost kitchen industry, those Gen Zs and millennials have been moving away from cooking at home for a while. There are uh, buildings being built with smaller kitchens, uh, overall kitchen sizes across the country and all new builds have decreased about 22% in the last 10 years. So people are building smaller kitchens at home and that's reflective of the fact that they expect to cook less at home. Grocery is an area that restaurants have been taking away from for a little while now. And I think grocers are adapting to that by offering more ready-to-eat or even prepared meals overall that um, that are more convenient for the uh, consumer at home. We've seen grocers even acquiring meal kit companies. We saw a grocer in Texas, HEB, acquire Favor, which was a Texas-specific delivery company. So grocers have been attuned to the shifting behavior of their target audience for a while now. And uh, and this is just another aspect of how that target audience will get um, will get their food. I do think that um, that it is an alternative to grocery. Um, but uh, but I think grocery as well will always exist. And I'm sure the industry will adapt well to what's happening, uh, both in delivery and in ghost kitchens. I asked both Atul and Hossein to give a prospectus of where the ghost kitchen model could be going after the pandemic and beyond. First, Hossein tackled the question. So I think there could be a small dip only because we all can't wait to get out and do what we used to do. So we're going to try to do things like we used to do it just to, just to see what it feels like to be normal again. And I think that's going to happen, but that soon fades away to uh, what we now feel is comfortable. And uh, we're going to continue uh, ordering food. Look, there are types of restaurants that are destination restaurants. These are restaurants that you make a date and you go with your wife, your, you know, your spouse or, or, or a date and you want to go and make an evening out of it. And, and that's different. Uh, but uh, fast casual restaurants, which are really used to satisfy an urge and that's hunger. And you want to take care of your lunch or dinner and just kind of you care about the food more than you care about the location. Those type of restaurants, I think, if they don't adopt um, uh, to this, if they don't adapt to this to this new system, they may see some trouble waters ahead. Atul also gave an overview of where he thought the industry was going and how important the innovation aspect was to the restaurant industry overall. It certainly uh, it certainly looks bright, um, and uh, I think some of the uh, listeners to this podcast may have seen a report from Euromonitor that projected this to be a one trillion dollar industry in the next uh, eight year, ten years by twenty thirty. Um, I I agree with that. One trillion is an awfully big number. It's a global number. It's awfully big. Um, I agree that there is tremendous potential, and you're going to see more and more food coming from a ghost kitchen model um, in the US in the, uh, in the coming years. 
again, I think we can look to foreign countries as a um, as an indicator of what might happen. And if you look at places like the Middle East and Far East Asia, um, north of 40 to 50 percent of food that is consumed from restaurants is consumed through delivery. Um, we're well shy of that right now here in the U.S., well, well shy of it, even during the pandemic. And um, and so I think there's tremendous room to grow as that delivery consumption behavior grows. I think we'll see in the next um, three to five years a spurt in ghost kitchens as well. I know we have aggressive plans. Um, I know our competitive set has aggressive plans. So uh, I can see hundreds of uh, these ghost kitchens popping up in the next three years. Um, and by 10 years out, I see a significant amount of food consumption happening through, um, happening through ghost kitchens, servicing that food. Um, what percentage number that is, will we get quite up to the 50% that we're seeing in the Middle East and the Far East? I'm not, not sure about that. Um, the advent of autonomous cars and autonomous delivery is absolutely going to shake things up even further. As soon as delivery costs go down, and um, autonomous driving is going to be a big part of that. Um, I think adoption will absolutely skyrocket. I think new packaging technologies will come into the market, which keep food hotter for longer uh, and crisper for longer, which will be good for burgers and fries. Um, and, uh, and I really see a new generation, the Gen Zs, growing up with food delivery as a primary uh, method of uh, food consumption. And as that as that happens, as that generational shift happens, I think it is just a significant opportunity right now for the next great brands in America to be created. Um, one thing I like to say is that uh, there haven't really been significant shifts in the restaurant industry since the um, advent of the drive-through, which was, um, well, kind of together. So McDonald's invented the franchising model about 65 years ago. That allowed restaurants, as we all know, to expand in a CapEx light way because the franchisee was bearing the CapEx costs of that expansion. Uh, McDonald's then perfected the drive-through that In-N-Out had invented. And those two changes were really the last changes in restaurants that are transformative for literally 65 years. What we're seeing now is we're seeing um, the rise of delivery as the new drive-through. We're seeing the advent of digital ordering and digitization in the restaurant overall across all restaurant categories, whether they be QSR or even casual dining and fine dining uh, has been spurred through COVID to do new digitization as well. Um, you've seen ghost kitchens um, rise over the last three years with our model and others. And now you've, you've seen the impact of COVID. So these four significant events, significantly transformative events are hitting at the same time. And so I view the restaurant industry in the next 10 years as looking pretty different than the restaurant industry looks today because of the confluence of these events and because of the shift in consumer behavior around ordering from restaurants. Um, I, I hope and think that there will be um, the in-dining experience forever. Uh, I think that's a critical part of society here and globally. Um, and at the same time, restaurants are uh, are are going to be uh, experimenting with new things to do and new ways to do it. So uh, I'm very excited personally. I am uh, very bullish on the future prospects of Kitchen United and other models and the restaurant industry overall. 
For those looking to learn more about Kitchen United or Combo Kitchen, I asked both of my guests to share the best places to learn more about their organizations. Hossein provided this information. First of all, combokitchen.com. So it's combokitchen.com. That's our website. Um, for any um, questions or inquiries, uh, just email us at info at combokitchen.com. I'll give you our phone number as well, 305-592-9229. And also uh, myself, if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, that's at Hossein Kasmai, H-O-S-S-E-I-N-K-A-S-M-A-I. Atul provided this information. Sure. Um, so kitchenunited.com is uh, our website. Um, if you're a consumer who lives in the four cities, Pasadena, Austin, Chicago, or Scottsdale, uh, you can order directly through that site from a mix of restaurants that are available to you. Um, if you would like to learn more about how to engage with us, um, you can do that through that site as well. At the bottom of the site, there are links about how to contact us if you're a restaurant, if you're an investor, or if you're the press, um, I'm always available to speak through um, uh, at any time. I'm available on LinkedIn, Atul Sood. I'm available on uh, email as well. And my email is just my first name, Atul, at kitchenunited.com. So that about wraps it up this week on the Food Institute podcast. I'd like to thank both of my guests for their time in putting this episode together. If you're looking for one of the links described by the guests today, we'll have all of the relevant links in the description of this video. So remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. Until next time, this is Chris Campbell, signing off. Mm -hmm.